0: Okay, standing by with Jackson, which camera? Okay, there he is. Okay, standing by, coming through to camera two, and you're going to have to cue him, I don't have earpiece. And three, two, one, coming to mic two, go, music out. Okay, stand by for a cutaway, and music up a little bit. Stand by, to take out his mic until we, oh no, we're carrying on, carrying straight on, carrying straight on. Or could the long lens pick him up? Oh, do you want me to find his location? Whereabouts is your location? Straight down, straight down. Uh, standing by, trying to find your camera. Turn around on you now. Coming through in three, two, one, cue mark. Two minutes to hard hit. Two minutes to hard hit. Roll. Have I got a camera shot, please? Have I got a camera shot, please? Ben? Hey, hey, standing by. Coming to the Warriors graphic next for a read. Building into highlights video. Stand by, music. Stand by, Nick. Standby highlights video next highlights video next with audio coming off it
1: As the Warriors get ready for finals Standby video
0: Roll it take it
1: Welcome to the Event Debrief podcast We chat with the best event professionals to hear their story and discover what inspires them from event managers, technical producers, and to the team still loading the truck at 2am. Our mission is to create a place to connect, share ideas, and elevate the Australasian event industry. Let's get into it.
0: <laughs> Should I count you in? Would
1: you like a five, four, three, two? And then we go silent, of course, so. Okay, here we go. Wendy Abir, Welcome to the podcast. It is so awesome to have you on. How are you going?
0: Thank you very much, Paulie. I'm fantastic.
1: That's amazing. It's great to hear your voice. We haven't chatted or spent time with each other in such a long time. You know, I'm looking back, you know, last time we worked together was around 15 or so years ago back in the Energy Event Centre in Rotorua. It was me, you. It was very cold as well. It was Ratu, uh, Mark Gallagher. So it's been a long time.
0: Oh, what a team that would have been. Uh, yep, good to be back in the same space together and it just shows hot on how old you are or I am as it together uh, and congratulations for both of us still being in this industry and doing okay and what we love.
1: Yeah, that's right. We're um, We're still going, even those tough years that we had a few years ago, we're still here, which is amazing to see some familiar faces. Awesome. So, Wendy, this is three questions I ask all of my guests. Uh, Can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself, your role as an executive producer at Tuatara Productions, and what was your introduction into the event world?
0: I run Tuatara Productions. um, It's a kind of event management production company that really just looks after everyone and everything. I guess I specialize in what would be called the show calling, stage management, floor management, camera director, production. So that person that kind of comes in and just makes the magic happen. I am one of those really, really lucky ones that started way back when, straight out of high school and had the introduction into um, Television New Zealand, TVNZ, where they trained you operationally on the job and you learn every single area and every single department and you've got a really good background of how to make television and then once you actually kind of showed your skills off and they got to know you a bit better they slotted you into one particular area which I ended up in the floor management area stage management show calling you learned first second third AD site production location I guess I kind of got known on those bigger shows which were those live television events where television come in and shoot it, but there is a, a stage show, there is an event. So what was, God, I'm going to show you my age now, can anyone remember the Benson the Hedges Fashion Awards when we actually had um, smoking as advertisers, which then went to the break free? Um, there were things like, I think it was Corbin's that turned into Weller, Fashion Collections that now is, what, um, Fashion Week. And then Music and Entertainer, the Year Awards. I don't know. There were just some really good big old shows that happened in those days. And I became sort of that floor manager, stage manager that would coordinate things and all those live TV shows. And I just, I don't know. I just, I just fell into it. I learned a whole lot of skills that I didn't even know I possessed didn't even know that it existed, to be honest. I thought I was going to be a camera operator. Uh, anyhow, so I got to the point that you needed to kind of go freelance in the industry to kind of get that work in. Realised that I was working for everyone else, making them uh, money and their success. And I kind of went, you know what, if I'm fixing everyone else's mistakes, I may as well fix my own and take a risk. I started up to a tarot productions. Ended up getting some amazing clients, which I still have some from way back when. Or um, and just yeah, got got myself into the industry without even knowing that I kind of did it. You just put one foot forward and off you go. The show was born. I had a whole lot of corporate clients like your know, telecoms, which are now of course um, Spark, Weller. We used to do the YPS awards, things like Tourism New Zealand. I did the trends. I do actually was it one of those gigs that we were working on it was either trends or it was the tourism New Zealand awards it was actually an award show down there yes a lot of conferences and awards and product launches I used to do the production produce direct and I kind of got to a point in my life that I realized I was trying to do everything I was doing it all well but I needed a to kind of concentrate on something that I felt was really needed in the in the industry, and where there was a hole as such, which was I guess in that show calling we have we have our event managers and our corporates, we have our technical suppliers and our crew, but who is that person that kind of helps bring everything together, kind of that glue or Ah, do we call it nearly the CRC where we run, everything runs smoothly because that person is in there. Um, so I kind of took on that sort of role a little bit more to a target production sort of segue from trying to provide everything for a client to sort of like, I now come in and work very specifically on a particular role within a, within an event or a show.
1: That's great. I'd love to talk more about that, you know, the importance of a show caller, which you've done for many, many years. You've uh, called uh, football matches across multiple codes, corporate events of national significance and directed cameras for internationally renowned bands and artists. Can you explain to our listeners what a show caller does? What do they do throughout a live event and the importance of that role? Why is it so critical for the successful delivery of an event?
0: a show caller a show caller i guess is one voice that guides everyone through a show totally in sync so everyone is on time there's really good communication and there's a collaborative atmosphere where no one is left second guessing or oh have i done this right or should i be doing that where that person leads that team works with your client or your event manager, or whoever's produced that. You're working with, as I said earlier, that technical supplier. Uh, but who is that person helping all of those moving parts and keeping that under control? So on those larger events, I guess, yes, you'd call it that show call a role to make sure that everything happens on time, as planned, and as the client kind of envisaged that event. Uh, Show callers don't tend to create the event or kind of manage it as such. They'd be more about envisage that you're the delivery of the audience experience. So kind of like that conductor, again, that one voice that's guiding everyone through. A good show caller can literally just rock up on the day. They get briefed, you ask a whole lot of questions, you read a run sheet, and then you kind of lead that team through that show on comms. However, New Zealand probably has very few of large events where it really is a sort of big one off. So the role can become a little bit more diverse and it kind of blends in between sometimes stage manager, floor manager. Sometimes you find yourself as a camera director calling and, and everything. So I've sort of developed my own sort of version of what you would call that show caller role is, and it totally depends on the client, the particular job, where you're really just coming in and asking those first questions. Well, what is actually needed? So then you can work out what role needs to be fulfilled because otherwise there's just a whole lot of names and, and descriptions that it might not actually, you know, you're left for interpretation. So. Yeah. Everyone needs that sort of skill or resource, that expert that they can bring in and go, I need your
1: help. Yeah, that's awesome. You talked before about sometimes a show caller doesn't create it, uh, create the show. So when would a event manager, producer, when would they bring you in? Is it, I don't know, on the day or a week before? Or how does that usually work? When do you come in on a project?
0: It totally again can depend on the job and also what expertise may be in whatever their office. So sometimes it can be months in advance where I am helping with I guess in that consulting role of okay, we need to think about this and just taking them an overview of their ultimate goal of what that event or show or anything. So I can I can get them thinking about what they're trying to achieve, giving them some tools and skills and leading them through that process so they can actually then just go in and do it, check in with me. As we get closer to the time, I become a bit more on board. Again, um, it depends on whether they need run shows or uh, run sheets, technical support. If I nearly took you into maybe let's think about a hands-on situation where what's happening on site so everyone needs to kind of work in harmony and work together as a team towards their ultimate goal so if you can imagine you have the sound engineer or lighting opera uh, operator they know how to use the equipment but how do they use it for this particular show a presenter just doesn't walk onto a stage what sort of support may they need whether that is a powerpoint presentation or a music sting or a so, yeah, I'm working with the clients to actually think about that. And and then also the technology has just changed so much that a client might go, well, I just want it to look like this. But to deliver that is a huge amount of interpretation of what they need to then talk and tech talk to actually go, well, we're going to deliver it by doing a D3 in disguise or (laughs) all these different things. And and they just look blank when tech start talking like that. And and so hence, oh, I will translate, I think is a really good one.
1: You become an interpreter uh, in terms of the client's vision and, and the team that you are guiding, would you say?
0: Well, that team's really important. On a personal note, I take it as I'm there to look after their souls. I cannot let anyone um, have a panic attack on site. Well, our event industry can be likened to nearly a war zone. Like if you're thinking a live event that is going out in front of millions of people on a year, maybe up to fifty or 60,000 in a stadium, those people having to actually control their nerves, their stress levels, all of a sudden there's late content that might come in or a change, You've got to you've got to think about we are humans and we have to we have to feel safe in an okay place for us to actually operate in. Otherwise, our brain will want to shut us down. So I tend to work with each individual on site and think of them. Oh, so what does that person need to be able to do their job? So they might know how to operate their sound desk. Well, how do they need to operate it for this particular show? When are these cues? Do you have the right music? Um, When do you have to play these music? So you're trying to give people the support, whether it's a run sheet, whether it's a, a mic list, whether all those different little things to ensure that when they are in their seat, in their zone, going through the show, that they know that they're okay, I've got their back, They can go with the cues when I tell them. They're not having to make up anything. It is just let's go from A to Z and I will lead you through it.
1: You want to put them in the best possible position for success.
0: Yes, ultimately that is what you're trying to do. Who wants to get out of bed in the morning if you're not going to a workplace that is going to be fun and exciting and you're going to feel okay that otherwise you must just turn around and kill back up in bed where we're an industry that is vibrant energetic it's full on it is a fantastic place to be but yeah we we need to make sure that we look after each other and that you go to work because you want to not because you have to and that's the difference between some of those crews and sites that we have like it is fun, we have a great time but we get our job done you've got to think about that audience as well, to me they are a huge part of it because what we are delivering is what they are going to see or hear, so that experience that they get the show caller kind of controls because you're controlling all of that sort of timing and their experience so you can always find me probably um, like if you're talking some of those bigger events, I'm only at the tech tables. I will have a little bit of light so I can see. I've got my comms on, my headset mic, I've got my run sheet, I've got my stopwatches. You'll always find me with a, a pen in my hand, a piece of paper in front of me. Yes, it's sort of my, uh, I feel my own safety if I can feel like I can cross something out once it's gone and and then it's gone. I am that person that will explain what's coming up next. I will give them standbys. I will give them goes. They just know that they can follow my voice and I will lead them to it. So if you looked at, I'm trying to think of an example. Let's look at what would be a timed event where there are doors or gates, may open at like 5.30 in the evening, and then you go to a kickoff. At 7.30, so something like our 1NZ Mighty Warriors, the All Blacks, even something like boxing, basketball, any televised sort of sport event that is in um, a stadium, you might get, let's say it was from 5.30 to 7, so there's a two-hour schedule in there where we're having to do deliverables like your sponsors, commercials, your interviews, your activations, music performance, MC links. You're building up to the game, you're doing team naming, you've got ball kids, you've got hype videos, you might have a Māori component in there with a haka poetry. There might be teams to field, national anthems. There's all these things that have got like what we call hard hit times that have to happen. So that kickoff has to happen at 7.30 because you've got then international television that are millions of people around the world that are taking that feed at a certain time, and you can't still have cheerleaders on the field while the teams are running out. So, that show caller controls all of those sort of timings and juggles everything. So, let's say the MC all of a sudden decided to go, well, actually, they won't on my gig because I count them down, but I'm saying, hypothetically, uh, the MC decides to run on a little bit longer or the performers went a little bit under and so yeah you're juggling but then that's why I say like touchwood doesn't happen on my gigs because that is my role to ensure that everything happens when it needs to that people are fully informed uh communication is totally totally the key if something's gone wrong it means that that person hasn't been communicated in a way that they understood uh, what they needed to do. So I take all that sort of stuff quite personally and ensure that uh, I can learn if I from it. If there was a mistake, it was like, oh, okay, I might not have given them the information that they needed. I'll make sure that I do it for better for next time. So you know, it's a, it's an industry that is constantly evolving. And as those show callers, you've just got to check everything. You've got to make sure all your contingency plans are in place. You've got to make quick decision making. You've got to keep that team together.
1: I just want to um, take it back a little bit and thinking about the stadium, the hard kickoff, the hard time, hard hit times. Yep. Are you looking after, are you managing what what are you managing? The what's on the field, what's going out to TV, what the screens in the field, all of that or some of it, or
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll say all of it. Um uh, let's take it back. There's always an event management team. So whether that will be the New Zealand Rugby Union or um the management within 1NZ Warriors, so you've got the uh, sports presentation delivery that happens and they'll work out exactly what they want and they'll organise it with, you know, certain production teams and then so there's that that overall objective or view of what they want to see in the stadium. So if we're creating an atmosphere at a Warriors game, you know, we've scheduled everything in. So yes, I'm the one. Let's think of of music of of queuing like in the breaks of play, when that music has to happen. I'm the one that will sing go music uh, as soon as we hear that whistle. Uh, what you're seeing up on screen, the uh, special effects, the lighting, the stadium lights going on, off, should I say, and then back on as they come out. And so there's all yeah. It's as it if you can think yourself as that audience member in that seat your experience that you are getting in that stadium now you talk about television television come in and will shoot that event so this is where I've always talked about the marriage we'll call it between um, the sports presentation or your, your event and then television they come in and shoot so if you can imagine there are some times where we're working completely separate apart from each other they've got their own commentators and their own Deliverables and commercials and and different things, and then we've got what we do in our own MCs on the ground and our own activations and all that sort of stuff to get that crowd engagement. During the actual game, we will take their footage, so we use their um, their footage that will come through, and then we put our own graphics over the over the top of that. Uh, we have even our own cameras that I'll indicate. So I can get the crowd cutaways and engagement on that. So, uh, yeah, and then they'll go off and do their thing. And then sometimes we have interviews at the end. and, And then when you go to, like, an award ceremony or conference, it's still the same, but it's different. But instead of this time of it going out to national broadcast, it might be going on to a streaming platform or it might just be going live to the audience. So let's say it is uh, an award ceremony or show in a theatre. Again, there are lights, there are sounds, there is a person going out on the stage and a show caller is the person that just, they hold that, that is their space and they're the ones that take that client's vision, what the objective is, and then ensures that it gets delivered.
1: Far out. So... um... On the field, we'll stay with football, we'll stay with rugby league. On the field, there's an MC that's getting the the audience revved up. There's cheerleaders, there's music. Are you talking to the MC saying, yeah, you've got two minutes? How, do, how are you, because you're up in a booth, I assume, with, with your team. How are you communicating with what's going on in the field? What happens there?
0: I was going to say it shows our age going that cheerleaders are still a thing on the oh. field. <laughs> I was like, I reckon they can come back, Jamie. You know, anyhow, that's another.
1: Yeah, sorry. Um,
0: right. So, yes, I have. Um, again, depending on the level of production, I can either have easily half a dozen RTs in front of me because I'm communicating with so many different teams. Um, these days technology has changed that you know there could be a panel and I can have a whole lot of buttons and and everything else again it just depends on the level of production put in there more often than not MC on the ground will have a floor manager who is the person if you can imagine like a floor manager role are the ones that are physically doing the cue for things like the talent onto the field or your MC to camera they're the ones that kind of work Tirelessly, and behind the scenes, they wear black. You can never see them, and they just these shadows that that just magically make things appear. Where yes, I'm up in that production box, and I'll be sitting there with my script, going, "Okay, go, go, go." Again, there'll be standby cues, or five minutes to this, or get this ready, and so there's a lot of information that is given, but I'll go the go, and then they'll wave that on. However, yes, there is always a Tends to be an earpiece that the MC will have. So I'll talk them through it. So I'll give them a, a cue cut scenario. So um, they're talking as the camera comes to them. I'll give them a countdown, whether it's going into their segment, how long their segment may be. If you're ever are looking on camera and you can see them suddenly stop or look sideways, yeah, there's probably somebody in their ear <laughs> telling them something to do that they're trying to concentrate on. Um, So they'll get like, again, the way I run my shows, they get a 10-second countdown that they ensure that they come out of. Then normally you're going to either something else or a commercial. So you've got a ground announcer that's uh, upstairs, someone like our warriors. He sits right next to me. We've got some really cool hand signals that we do to each other. I've got um, the camera director sitting next to me as well. We're all on comms and yeah, there's a, a big team that
1: we all just work together to to get it out, but it's on my go. Yeah, that's awesome. It's <laughs> always on your go. You're the you're the voice. Yeah. In terms of scripts, is it you know are you using something that's like a live document or or a still paper or I know you and I are still holding a pen each
0: <laughs> respectively
1: <laughs> this evening for those this is audio only, but Wendy and I can see each other. Um, yeah, is it still paper? What we talked about technology progressing over the years. Yeah, still paper, or are we online? Or
0: again, depends on the what would you call it—the production itself, on how big and the resources and who the teams are. So yes, there's a good old paper run sheet that we we follow. Um, the next step. App and everything. If there are changes, would would happen uh, with my little twink. Did you know you can get erasable pens these days? They are like a godsend. Like literally, ink, write, turn the pen around, rub it out, and it's gone. Anyhow, they're my favorite thing. So whoever does those, I'd like you are my god right now. Um, then the next level app would be the kind of Google Drive where we're all sharing. Um, documents and anyone can sit there and make changes and everything else. Next level up to that is something called like Showflow. Um, and there's a, a couple of other brands which would be literally what you call that live doc. So if you're in a television studio or um, we're working specifically to time and there might be changes where again something happened five seconds here or there or um, it's a live document that we can type in and, and everyone gets to see it and make changes or do this or do that. So varying scale, um, even on a computer, I still seem to have a pen in my hand.
1: <laughs> you and me the same. We talked before about you looking after the live element and the cameras. Sometimes it might be TV. Are there times that you'd have a show call as, as well as cameras, maybe on a smaller show, or is it always separate?
0: They can come under one role. Am I allowed to say I'm a good multitasker? So for, and again, it can depend on the shoot. So um, we're particularly in a television sort of event where the the director will sort of be cutting and calling and you've got floor managers running around and and bits and pieces. So there is is always a team of people doing stuff and... um, and you're just kind of part of that team, but there are roles where you're leading those teams through, so to take all the stress off them. So, yeah, I have done uh, gigs where you're cutting cameras and calling shows and chucking on people with talent, trying to read scripts and everything else, although they do tend to probably traditionally be different where there is our camera director cutting, again, let's say um, – just trying to think of a really good gig where I can give an example of, um, yeah, where you're sending a camera feed and someone else is switching, uh, I'm calling, and then there's other times where might be one poor little tech trying to do everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, something like, I do do camera directing, though. That uh, What's my, one of my gigs uh, that anyone should know? Oh, it's 660. So that was... Uh, um, a big stadium live musical event. That obviously there were graphics that were up on screen that were integrated with sort of camera shots as well. And then there were different blocks and oh, so that one you could only just sit there and try to keep your head, head together on on how much was going on and what the band was doing and tracking them and yeah, no, I just oh, loved it so cool.
1: Yeah. There's some big gigs. That was the biggest gig in the world at, at one point, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. There was no other gigs happening and we were there. <laughs> yeah. We sitting there at whatever time at night with your phone going off, beep, 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 and all of a sudden we were getting locked down at whatever time the next morning. That,
1: that was the that Hamilton was, gig, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. That, uh, where were we? Hamilton, yeah.
1: Hamilton, yeah. Oh, not not that we don't want to remember, but a reminder for everyone. Yeah, 660 gig, Hamilton. And everyone had their phones and everyone had the uh, the emergency alert saying, we need to go into lockdown.
0: <laughs> and you're trying to keep your, because the band didn't know, did they? They're still playing away. In the meantime, you've got your phone kind of sitting close to you and you've got this emergency alert going off and you're trying not to look at it. <laughs> And then someone over comms was talking and going like, guess what? We're in lockdown. I was like, when, what, what? Am I still cutting? Am I still? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I've been sitting next to you for how long?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that whole COVID thing was just, it, it was just weird. It was the longest time that I think I've ever been in my own bed, because like, you're so used to touring and being around the place that I um. I had to get to know my cats on their first name basis.
1: That was the time that I realised how much my cat slept
0: <laughs> and how jealous you were of it. Yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> we digress. Oh. You can tell Paulie and I are mates. So, sorry, everyone, <laughs> which just taking on. Yeah. Welcome to one of our conversations.
1: <laughs> That's it. We're going to do this every week.
0: <laughs> but it um, does show you that we our crew that are there we look after each other and um we've spent our lives together
1: yeah we spend so much time together um long hours we got we have to make this you know fun and enjoyable and I think if we help each other get ourselves in the best position possible for success you know every day's better and and as a like I've been in your role as a show caller, and I've been in the seat of a a technician it's quite a a leadership role for a show caller to be able to get as much information as you can from a client and then give that to your team to put them in the best position possible to ultimately succeed as as an event for your client because you know this is nothing bad but some of the guys are really good at the job but their awareness of the entire project is not as wide as yours so it feels like your role, as much as it is calling, you have a higher, a wider awareness of the show to be able to get what you need from the client and give it to your team for success.
0: I think you need to because um, guitar strings do break,
1: hmm.
0: which means, um, layman's terms, things can go wrong. And if you have an overall understanding of what you're trying to achieve, then you have the ability to try and make some very quick decisions of, okay, we need to go here now, we need to go there now. Um, History helps also, uh, trying to understand culturally what is going on, uh, looking after your team. Again, I keep going back on emotions, but cognitively people need to be in an okay Space. So your client's been working on this for months, if not years. This is, you know, their livelihoods depend on it. Uh, crew, we're only as good as our last gig. We stuffed this one up. No one would ever want us back again. So mm. there's always a lot riding on it. Um, you just can't go to black. And if you're on cameras, you can't show the grass, I keep saying. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, but so it's a, it can be pretty stressful. so that's where again, you've got to understand that you've got to you've got to lead those people through any circumstance and so what what do they need to feel safe and okay? what information in how you give that information needs to be clear, precise. Yeah. So it's a, it's a skill. Um, I didn't realize that my personality was perfect, I think, for the, for the job. You know, how would you explain it? I'm slightly OCD, or I might be slightly ADHD, or I okay. might be slightly something. But the skills that or attributes that have kind of made me think, well, that hypervigilance, and thinking yep. ahead and trying to fix something before it goes wrong is actually a good skill to have because you're gonna go, Oh, hold on. Um, what happens if this happens? Can I put a piece of equipment or staffing or a queue in place if it happens? Then we'll know that it's sorted.
1: Yeah. I remember, you know, I still remember this, you know, working with you, just you are think you, you not me, not everyone, you Wendy are thinking three steps ahead of Whatever cue you're calling, at that point, which you need yeah. someone fix hmm.
0: something before it goes wrong.
1: Um, it, during my time in Sydney, <clears throat> uh, one of the sh- uh, event companies I worked for, amazing, and th- one of the guys in that company who um, who's a great show caller, <laughs> he'd always go, and I love this he You always go to, um, let's say, the video guy and go. Hypothetically, if we did
0: <laughs> hypothetically, yeah, um, my word is allegedly this may happen. If yeah. it does, we will do this, if it doesn't, we will do that. I won't know literally until a split second beforehand, and I will let you know at that time. That's right.
1: We could either do A or B, but
0: yeah, yeah. but let's say if you are cutting cameras or The person on stage is supposed to, allegedly, um, push their PowerPoint clicker button at a certain time for their slide to move forward, uh, and they haven't. And it turns out that, oh my God, I had this happen once, um, CEO of a very, very top, important, I guess, explained how the the thing worked, everything else, but there's a, a button for go and there's a button for the laser. Uh-huh. And so he was sitting there pushing the <laughs> laser part of this clicker, uh, which he was showing that it was engaging because, of course, there's a little light that goes off with the laser. <laughs> but it wasn't, you know. Um, fortunately, again, you know, you've got tools and skills. And I had his script. I had worked out when the cues should be. And I literally, every time I saw him physically move his arm like he was looking to push the button, I went, oh, okay, yep, that correlates to that cue of what I thought it would be. Okay, go PowerPoint. And we Maybe. physically cued the sh- show through without him actually pushing the right button. He, to this day, still has no idea that that's how it did. But, again, experienced crew, um, Been able to actually go, no, no, we've got this. Uh, We've got, you know, we trust our guts. Use your natural ability and instinct of what's going on, and let's go. So, that was still one of my magic moments that I'll never forget, (laughs) and I hope never repeat. I (laughs) now ultra, ultra, ultra make sure that we actually give people cue clickers that actually do not have a laser pointer on them.
1: Yeah, or there's those old school ones that have a, <clears throat> they have the button, the black button that brings the yeah. screen black. Oh, button. yeah. Nobody needs that. No one should have that option.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. It's a. So yeah, you start learning. There's little things like that. That how is an event manager supposed to know any of that sort of stuff? Where if you can kind of go to your crew, going, okay, we need to make sure we've got this, this, and this. Um. And so we eliminate problem before it becomes a problem.
1: With my time as a show caller or an event producer yeah we know we've had clients that come to us and they have a a run sheet and they they kind of they know the big blocks of they go okay well people are going to walk in and we want some music and 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 then the ceo will get on stage um and then there's video and, and, and you know it's your job to piece that all together and what are the bits in between how do we smoothly go from apparently there's music and then the ceo obviously you know we want to draw people's attention to the stage yeah i find that's a really key element of a of a show caller to bring that together the glue the glue for the team but also the glue for the show
0: it's having if you can imagine our role is the transition role so what is going to happen in that space so the lights might have to come down from the audience and go into a billy-hoo state, which is when moving lights all happen, as that person walks on, when the lights actually have to come up as a person walks on, then there is a fact that we might have had background music on and that has to fade down and their microphone come up or even a walk-on thing for that person as they're walking out and their microphone coming up, then going into Let's say we had a, a naming slide up on the screen, now it has to go through to their keynote presentation. So, in that five seconds of the person coming from backstage to onstage, there would be several cues that actually have to happen in a technical sense to transition from that state into the next state into them actually delivering their keynote. I believe a lot is also my role was in that rehearsal, um, being able to actually work with the presenter, trying to find out as much information as you can. So should things not work, like a clicker situation, I was armed and ready to just empower the crew and move forward. So the difference between having a show caller on site and as part of your team to maybe a situation where if you can imagine, oh, it's just a simple little show, we'll be fine. Not having it would have been some technician all of a sudden having to work out what the heck um, and try and make that happen. There are some amazing techs out there, which I'm thinking of a few immediately that can do that. But again, it depends on who your supplier is and how big the show is and how much is going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, And without that show caller, one arm's not talking to the other arm. The video person is then in problem-solving mode but maybe not communicating with the other team members, the audio guy. So all of a sudden there's no single voice.
0: Which comes back to kind of how we open the show of everything, that one voice that guides everyone through sync. There you go. That's what I do, Paulie, apparently. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> I don't know. For me, I just turn up and get to do what I love doing. I forget that it's even a specific job. It's just, I don't know how many gigs I have got, Paulie, where literally the crew or the team have been sitting around kind of going like putting the show and everything together and going kind of like, oh, oh, we need a Wendy, um, when they realise that, uh, the how big the show potentially is going to get or, uh, oh, this is just a little bit stressy. Let's just bring Wins in and she can sort it out for us.
1: That's Aren't the everyone's happy thing? Yeah. It's
0: happy place.
1: The CRC, the problem solver. <laughs> what would you say is the biggest challenge for your business right now?
0: The instability and certain aspects of uh, the industry COVID certainly has changed things where there's a lot of techs where we sort of knew that there was a certain amount of work and we could earn a living and everything would be fine, where we've lost a lot of good people to like, oh, here's an opportunity to get a real job, I call it, (laughs) where they know what pay packet they're going to have for the week they can save for a house. Can anyone do that? Mm. Um, so it's yeah there's just a lot of uncertainty there a massive amount of tech that is changing so rapidly all of a sudden it is just hard to keep ahead of all of that sort of stuff and stay current um, also your gear how quickly that gets turned over because all of a sudden it's just oh within a month so mm. the biggest challenges would be probably just the Technology and how quickly it is developing and also then retaining crews and ensuring that they are upskilled and know how to operate.
1: Wendy, where do you get your inspiration from? Other events or social media, blogs maybe?
0: My inspiration is actually just to keep going um, and then how can I keep going and how can I keep current. So... I, I just need to try and keep myself together. It's an industry that we lose too many people through mental health and, and uh, yeah, physical health and everything else because it is a hard industry and I want to be here to the bitter end, take me out in a road case. <laughs> but So for me, I feel inspired by people that can really, like, look after themselves I do a lot of self-help, keep myself mentally, physically strong. I just want to be able to be in the best place that I I can be so I can assist people. So my inspiration is, yeah, I just love going to the beach and trying to get my exercise in, making sure that we get some good food on on those crew riders and Mm -hmm. just to keep going and to be current and relevant within the industry.
1: That's awesome. And this question leads from that one. What is your favorite thing to do to relax?
0: My favorite thing to do to relax possibly would be sleeping. that <laughs> is just, we're always just so time short and long hours. So if I can catch sleep, I will grab sleep. I just, um, and then. I think we sort of covered it that I just love to get out and get some fresh air, mm-hmm. go to the beach. Um, I also just love movies and concerts and just living life. I think just everything about us is inspirational and just soak it all in. So whether that's your your friends, your family, or taking a quiet spot uh, to go for a, a walk down the beach or um, sleeping, I've mentioned sleeping. I <laughs> like sleeping. Painting? Uh, yeah, I guess I do. Yeah, forget about that. Again, it just, um, just the artistic side of it. So there, uh, I love just being able to go to galleries, doing some work myself, um, even hosting classes. I have a small home studio where I just love to get a bunch of people together, just being able to share in time, have fun, space and paint around and just, uh, I think I like just being around good people and my family, and my friends, and just living life, life's there and grab, and it's, oh, it's amazing.
1: I love reading fiction, stuff that's, like, literally not about the world, you know what I mean, like,
0: so that imagination, maybe, actually, that's a really good point, Paulie, as you talk about imagination, and inspiring, it's just hmm. really to keep that going in your brain, and, and it just keeps that excitement because you're just always thinking of new things or seeing new things, and yeah, yeah. Maybe I, again, it's a question that's sort of like I didn't realise that until you actually have to think about it of yeah. uh, what you actually do, but creatively inspired stuff,
1: yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure all of us know, you know, our our, our brains are, are thinking about a million things. You know, coming out of a show, you know, as a show caller, your brain is going 100 miles an hour. And one way that for me to relax is to, yeah, read fiction just so my brain's not thinking again of a gazillion things. There's one book that I read um, from an author called Neil Gaiman. It's called American Gods. And it talks about normal, uh, it talks about the kind of these gods, especially Nordic gods. And the way it describes it, I'm like, okay, I know it's fiction and I can't disagree, but it just takes you on these worlds and it's so in a different place than, you know, you in the hot seat with literally looking looking at scripts, thinking about that and thinking about 10 things ahead. Um, it, It forces my brain to do something totally different.
0: So inspiration really would have to be just being able to stop outputting to everyone else. And being able to actually take a moment where you are refreshing yourself Mm. and being inspired by things that you get excited about rather than someone telling you a situation you have to be in, you can immerse yourself in something else. So, yeah, yeah, love, love the movies. I love nature. I love being just around my friends and listening to them talk and chatter and my family and um, the creative side of it, I've got a home studio where I just get to do a lot of art and I think I just, yeah, you switch off, don't you? It's just like, what? I, I Work? What's that? <laughs> I definitely have to learn how to, what I'd call switch on and switch off again. I'll put myself in what would be work mode. If you lived your life in that work mode in this industry, I, it would be mentally and physically, I think too hard on oneself because you're always in that state Mm -hmm. where to be able to take that step away and just slow even your heart rhythm down by, you know, your, your walking and the good food and just immersing yourself into a completely different place and space.
1: Staying with these cool vibes and the warm and fuzzies, what event are you most proud of and why? It doesn't have to be the biggest gig you've ever worked on or with the most famous artists, but it could be anything, gig in your hometown or perhaps with an awesome team, but just something that you're most proud of. To pull one out of the hat
0: for you, Paulie, I do love those big one-off events. Like I, I must admit, it was like I I was born for them. So being able to do those world title fight boxing matches, things like um, uh, Horn and all those Joseph Parker ones. That one that we did here for him in New Zealand, where he won his first world title. You know that was just incredible. Um, the Rugby World Cups, the FIFA World Cups, the Rugby League World Cups, the Sevens, the live tv 660 being able to do that um and then some of the corporate stuff if I was talking about things that I'm proud of within the industry it would probably actually be the people that I am surrounded by within the industry so I look at oh you you're a perfect example like when we first met how many years ago you were just one of the techs on the desk you know with us making it all happen. And now look at you, you know, producing and directing and all these great things that you're doing to see where you've come from and what you're doing now and where you're going to go in the future. You know, those are things that I just, I am so proud of the people that are around me and just watching that growth. If there was one particular person, if I had to say that he's not necessarily my hero but I got to meet him in person, spend the day with him, And it was someone that sort of affected me because of his role that he had at that time was General Norman Schwarzkopf who um, ran, what was it, Desert Storm back in the 90s or something. But he was this man that was in charge of all of these people and all of these lives and, like, how did he keep it all together and how did he make those decisions? So. Meeting him and learning a bit about him as a person. You know, was he born like that? Did he get trained like that? His personality. Um, it was, yeah, that was one day that has always probably stuck with me as far as meeting people. I mean, yeah, these are the top gears and there's the, God, who else have we met in our life? You name them. Say a gig and I've probably done it. Come on.
1: <laughs> Wendy, what is the single most valuable piece of advice you would give someone starting out in this event industry?
0: have to say the single piece of advice is actually probably about three pieces of advice otherwise I wouldn't windy it would I uh you'd have to work out who you are what makes you tick what you're good at and what you're bad at so getting a really good understanding about who you are as a person so when you're going into this industry like we can't find nature you have to this industry finds you nearly so you'll work out very quickly whether you're drawn to lighting or sound or audio visual whether you're talent base. so it's really getting a good understanding We were we sit in the world and so you can position yourself within the industry in the right place and to remember oh, just to be kind and to remember to be a human because we're only as good as our last gig and we are known by reputation only so somebody you treated ten years ago in a certain way is either going to remember that for you and all of a sudden you're back in the same room or they could be your client or you know, so it's it's really to remember just to be to be kind and realize that this is an industry about your your personality. Anyone can plug a piece of equipment in, but how you are, how you manage yourself on site, how you are around other people that is, is important, but there are people like me that will lead you through stuff. I, hand in my heart, have got some of my best friends and colleagues that are on certain spectrums that I know have personality difficulties or might be quite shy or can't talk or whatever it may be. But again, when you understand that and you're open with it, then we can put the support systems in place to look after you and get you, again, just to be able to be the best you can be. One of my best saying is never give in, never give up, and um, just always find a way to make it happen.
1: Awesome. Was there two and three, or was that all part of that?
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, the only other thing <laughs> I could probably say is um, just make sure that you just keep turning up that it's an industry that you have to show commitment, you have to be regular, consistent, I think, is probably one of the best attributes to have, that Mm -hmm. being able to actually rely on somebody, they know they're going to do a good job and they're going to do it for you every single time because we are a team and we've got to look after each other, have each other's back. And so it's really important to kind of keep that consistency going throughout your career.
1: Wendy, who is one person you'd recommend I chat with on the podcast?
0: The one person that you should chat to probably could talk even longer than me. He has so much more stories than I have. Every time that he is on site, you find yourself completely transfixed to his conversations because he is just such a character. But I've also never met a more clever man that knows his stuff and has got an amazing company, does amazing work, has worked with the best people in the world, one of the best sound engineers you'll ever, ever get to to meet and work with would have to be our Chris Tate from College Hill.
1: 100%. He came into the office uh, yesterday and I don't think I've seen him for about eight months and it was just awesome to... See him yeah I'll, I'll reach out to him again and just I know he has <clears throat> I know he has some amazing stories and yeah I, I support you he's a amazing human being and just amazing what he does and finally Wendy where can our listeners find you in your business
0: well I'm the only Wendy a beer in the world from what I can work out so that's a that's a good start. otherwise email at wendy at tuataraproductions.co.nz uh, ask any of the crew or suppliers around the place that most people know me. And if that is your last question, Paulie, should I count you out?
1: Yeah, go on.
0: Standing by to end the record. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Would you like your last words, Paulie? Yeah, last words from Paulie And three, two, one,
1: go. Thanks so much for coming onto the podcast, Wendy. To you and all of our wonderful listeners, thanks for listening. And as we always say, we'll see you on the next one.
0: Thanks, Paulie.
1: If you want to hear more from The Event Debrief, please consider subscribing as well as sharing it with the people you know. It will really help us grow the channel. If you want to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook and simply search for The Event Debrief. Feel free to send us a message. I like it when listeners say hi. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And as always, thanks for listening.
0: Three, two, one, go to black.